But this morning we start a brand new series that I have been excited about for several months since we uh, really started coming up with the idea of, of this series. You know, you know, every great movement, every great idea, every great invention, every great discovery began with a question, what if? Wouldn't it have been cool to be hanging out with uh, Orville, Orville and uh, Wilbur Wright when they kind of looked up in the sky and they said, what, what if we could fly? Wouldn't it have been cool to be with Rosa Parks? And I, I, I've actually been on this bus, the actual physical bus, and actually sat in the seat that she sat in when she sat in the back and she said, what, what, what if... What, what, what if I could move to the front of the bus? And she did. Wouldn't, I would have loved to have been in the Congress uh, building in May of 1961 to hear the mumbling and the, and the snickering under the breath when John F. Kennedy posed the question to our Congress, what, what if we could send a man to the moon? I remember back in, 19, in 1995, in November, my wife and I were up late talking one night and I asked her the question, what if we planted a church? See, what if questions lead, they lead us to accomplish great things as individuals? What if, what if questions drive us beyond our fears? They, they cause us to dream about what could be. They, they cause us to attempt the, the impossible. And I believe what if questions are going to continue to lead us to greater heights as believers and to even bigger mountains to climb as a church. However, I think before we can ask the what if question, and I think it's always important for us to look back and to ask a couple other questions. What was and what is? In, in Psalm chapter 105, in verse 1 through 5, the Lord actually asks us and tells us to remember and to give praise for the things that he's done. He says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known to his deeds. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell of all of his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles and the judgments he's uttered. You know, I look back and I remember the first time that this church gathered. It wasn't our very first Sunday, but it was the very first gathering that we had. It was in someone's house. And I thank God for the 46 people that gathered together to get Westridge Church off the ground. I remember our very first Sunday, September 7, 1997, when, when, when 251 people gathered at Vaughn Elementary School. And I thank God that, that we were able to celebrate on that day a new beginning of a brand new church in Northwest Atlanta. I remember coming to the end of that same year of 1997 and, and running out of money. And I remember going into December 28th, the last Sunday of the, of the year, Paul and Dave and Steve and, and our families, we actually got down on our knees in Steve's living room and said, God, you've got to show up. And we're asking you on this particular Sunday to show up in a miraculous way that we've never seen before and to provide for us in, in ways that we can't even imagine. And, and getting through December 28th and, and not only having the lowest attended Sunday of the church's history, but having the lowest offering that we've ever taken. As a matter of fact, I keep this, this deposit slip in the top drawer of my office desk here at Westridge, you can see it here on this screen, to remind me of God's faithfulness. That morning, we were asking God for thousands, and instead we took in $750.55. And if you can see, I deposited that money on, on, uh, at 2, two o'clock, uh, 2.28, on the 31st, and I remember getting up that morning and saying, God, okay, you, the 28th wasn't your plan, but the 31st is going to be your plan. I know it. I believe this with all of my heart. You didn't bring us here to, to just let us fail. 
And I remember depositing that money, going to our little shipping box center in Hiram, opening up, and I'm going, there's a miracle check in here. And opening up a check, there was 20, there was 40, there was 50, a few more other checks. And walking out of that dejected and feeling as about as discouraged as I've ever felt, and then getting a call at 4 o'clock in the afternoon from a gentleman and his wife who don't even go to our church, asking me to come back to their house, and I sat in their living room, and they looked at me and they said, we don't come to your church, but we believe in what God's doing through it, and we want to give you this, and I opened up a check for $30,000. I remember the very first church that we had a hand in planting in 1998 in the country of India. I remember our very first special offering we took. It was our first gift offering, and it was in 1998, and we were, we were going to hire Paul Richardson. Paul was part of our original team. He had moved here um, when he was 14. Now he was actually, tw- he was actually, ni- was he 19, Angela? 21. I'm sorry. Uh, 21. All right. It looked like he was 14. But we, <laughs> he was 21 years old, moved with me, was part of my youth group growing up. And, and he just, he, he was our first children's pastor. He was bivocational. And I remember bringing he and Angela up on stage on December 13th and hiring them and saying, we're just, we're, we've got to hire this couple. They're doing such an amazing job. And then I told the church, now next Sunday, you've got to pay for this. And we set a goal of $20,000 for one Sunday. We'd never even come close to anything like that. And when the offering came in, it was $20,001.96. And I said, Paul, not only are you hired, but you can take Angela out for a Coca-Cola. <laughs> I remember the day we purchased our land here. Over 60 acres for $32,000 an acre. It was a God's property from the beginning. There's not been another piece of property around us that's sold for anything less than 85000 I remember the day that we purchased this, not only this land, but the day we drove stakes in it. And we claimed it as God's property. And then we showed up a few months later and we had a groundbreaking and we celebrated that and we dedicated this land. I remember the morning we took our our time to build offering and some of you were there over at Vaughn Elementary School and kids came across the the, the stage and put their coins and they'd been collecting coins for for months and months and months. And we took it over to United Bank and I think there was over $8,000 worth of coins and we ruined their whole week. But it made ours. I remember how we've been able over the last 16 years to plant now 112 churches over in the United States, 27 in the state of Georgia, all over the world, 27, 20, 27 globally, getting ready to start 25 brand new ones in the next year. I thank God that we've now sent over, out over 500 people out of this church to places all over, not only the United States, but all over the world to be part of some of those church plants. I remember the day that we took an offering in this church God broke our heart for what was happening in, in the country of Uganda where little children were being recruited into the Lord's Resistance Army, Army many of them having to, to kill their moms and dads or their moms and brothers and sisters. And how we were able to, to take an offering of $40,000 to build a building so that it would serve as a shelter. And not only that, but an educational facilities for these children in a place that most of us have never been. I, I remember and I thank God for the, the missions trips that we have taken over the last 16 years. Places like, like Utah and Baltimore and, and Alaska and Texas and Orlando and Charleston and Nicaragua and Jamaica and Israel and Russia and Cuba and, and Burkina Faso, Africa, and most recently, Guatemala. I thank God and I remember every dinner in December that we've ever had as a church and every country western jamboree. And I, 
I, I, I now remember and I praise God for the, the community makeovers that we've had and how we've been able to, to, to bring churches together all over this community. It started off as a prayer movement and ended up with us going outside the walls to bless people. And now we, we do hope for Christmas. And I thank God for every moment and every family that's walked through that door over there. I remember and I thank God that two years ago we were finally able, after a couple unsuccessful attempts, we were successfully able to plant a church in downtown Atlanta. And Damien and Zarek Boyd have now they've given their lives to reaching the Vine City, West End area of Atlanta, plus 10,000 African-American college students who go to school in that part of town. I thank God for every rush camp, every student camp that we've had over the, the last several years and how this past year, 678 student leaders got together in Daytona Beach and how we were able to see 32 students receive Christ and baptize 71 of them in the ocean. I remember and I thank God for over 10,000 people that worshiped with us this past Easter and how 127 of those people trusted Jesus Christ to be their Savior and how that just all, and I remember the, the, the tailgate parties that we've had over the last couple of years where people have gotten to know each other all over this property, people just getting a chance to meet each other for the first time and we've been praying for the last several years that God would allow us to become a multicultural, diverse congregation And it has excited me every Sunday when I look out over this congregation and I see a crowd that looks more diverse than ever before in the history of our church. And I could stand up here all day long and tell you about things that I remember and I praise God for, but I can also tell you more than anything else that God's been faithful. God's been faithful to this church and we need to give thanks and remember all that God has done over the last 16 years. Not only is it important for us to think about what was, but it's important for us to talk about what is. And if you're new to Westridge Church, or um, maybe this is your very first Sunday, um, we try to be as honest and authentic as we can in this church. We try to be as open about things as possible. For some of you, this may feel like a church business meeting right now. Um, the only thing about, different about this one and the one that you might have been before is that we don't actually get up and fight in this one. We come together and we worship and we thank God for what he's done and we be just honest about it. You know, over the last 16 years, one of the amazing things is that we're still growing. Statistically, when you look at churches, within year 10 to 15, churches begin to plateau and then after that, churches typically go on the decline. We're 16 years old now and we're currently up 7% from where we were last year. We've had 325 first-time families show up to visit our church since July 1. We've, in that same time, we've seen 42 people trust Jesus Christ to be their personal Savior. And I look at that and I go, life change is still happening. However, the reality of, of this picture is that when we went into this fiscal year, that, which again started on July 1st, we had to pull out over $305,000 out of our ministry budget and administration budget here to get within our range of giving. We also uh, hit, were hit with a 15% increase in our health insurance, co- health insurance costs for our employees. And, and I suspect that that's going to go up now, even more so this coming year. And so that meant that as we went into this fiscal year, July 1st, we had to basically take all of our money out of being able to fund Hope for Christmas. Many of our global missions commitments and our personal commitments to, to our Westridge Church Church planters and missionaries had to be scaled back drastically. We, we had to drastically slow down our work in Guatemala and Nicaragua and Cuba and even Burkina Faso and Baltimore. Our annual student camp, rush camp, is, 
right now standing here not fully funded. So without charging our students a much higher rate, we're not going to be able to pull this camp off in the way that we've done it in the past. Currently, Surge Camp, which, uh, our, which is our week-long sports camp and arts camp for our children, which this past year reached over 1,000 students, is not funded at all. At this point, we'll have to triple the cost of that camp to be able to pull it off. Every ministry budget in the building has been scaled back. Um, we, have failing, we have failing equipment throughout this building that, that desperately needs to be repaired or to be, to be replaced. There's a lot of equipment in this building that, that we repurposed from the days of being in East Paulding, which was before 2006. Our staff um, had their retirement benefits cut in half this past year. We, we've also had to increase the amount of money that they pay out of pocket for their health insurance plans. And many of you can relate to things like this. We've, we've not been able to give adequate raises at all to be able to keep up with the cost of living over the last several years. Many of you have been through difficult times in this church, and, and we, as a result, have felt it here at Westridge Church. And although we have always kept our spending below what we have received, we've not met our budget goal in now five years in a row. And so with all that said, God's been stirring in my heart and, and in the hearts of our church leadership that this is just unacceptable. Because we look around and we just say, there's way too much to be done in Northwest Atlanta and in, not only in our community, but in the state of Georgia, our nation, and around the world. The last report is that still 88% of our community is not in church on Sunday morning. So many of those people are lost and they're separated from God and, and they're going to end up in a very real place called hell. And if you've been here for years, you've heard me say this before, that we need to own this. We need, we need to take this personally, and we as a church need to own the lostness of our community. And so I want you to know, 16 years later, I'm, I'm still dreaming big dreams, and I'm, I'm still praying big prayers, and I'm still believing that God wants to use this church in bigger ways than, w- than what we've ever seen in the past. I still claim the verse that God gave me over 18 years ago when I, I laid face down in the Georgia Dome floor for the, at the Promise Keepers Pastors Conference when I was trying to figure out and I was seeking God's direction for our family. And God put the verse from Joshua 3, 5 on my heart where Joshua spoke to the people a, Lord, a, a verse that the Lord had given him where he said, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord's going to do amazing things amongst you. And I still believe that God is going to do amazing things. When I, when, I believe, when I read God's word, I still believe his promises are true for today. I still take God at his word. So when I read Jeremiah 32, 17... I still believe it, where it says, oh, oh, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arms. Nothing is too difficult for you, for with you there's nothing that's impossible. When I look at 1 Corinthians 2, 9, I still believe that, that no eye has seen nor ear has heard and, 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 and which have not entered the heart of man all that God has prepared for those who love him. I still believe that God answers big prayers. That when we pray, God answers. When I read John 14, 12, I take God at his word. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I'll do it. When I look at the scriptures and I see promises... I also read where, it, where, where the Bible says, in the promises, the, the promises of God are yes in Christ Jesus. And so, with all of that, we started asking the question, what if? What if? There's a branch of history called counterfactual theory that, that asks what if questions. And it imagines history 
and how things would have unfolded differently if certain things um, either would have happened or would not have happened. And so I want to play counterfactual theorists with biblical history. What if the Israelites had stopped marching around Jericho after six times and they just said, we're tired of this marching. Six times is enough. What if they hadn't gone around the seventh time? Think about what they, had, what the, what they would have missed seeing with their own eyes. What if Elijah had, had, st- had quit praying for rain after his sixth request? He'd have never seen God do a miracle. What if Naaman, who many of you may have never heard of, basically said, Lord, I'm only going to dip in the river six times. Seven is, ra- is ridiculous. I mean, the answer is obvious. The miracles would have been forfeited right before they would have ever happened. What if Jesus would have never come to earth? What if Christmas would have never happened? What if Easter had never happened? What if, what if Jesus had never died for our sins and to provide forgiveness and salvation for all of mankind? What if Westridge Church did not exist? What if somewhere along the way, in the early days of this church, and even now, we would have listened and succumbed to all of the critics that have said to us over and over again, this can't be done, this will never happen. What if we'd have wavered on the vision that God had given us and told us that that the unchurched community around us simply just didn't matter? What if we would have said no to bringing churches together in our community to pray and engage the people of Atlanta with the love of Jesus Christ? What if we would have said no years ago to church planting? What if we would have said no to places like Burkina Faso, Africa, where people for the first time in their lives are not only hearing the gospel, but getting a chance to drink fresh, clean water? What if we had said no to reaching our community? What if we had said no to reaching our country? And what if we had said no, like most other churches have said no, to reaching our world for Jesus Christ? See, every great moment in history begins with a what-if question. And so recently, we asked our staff to dream and pray with us. And we said, what if money were no object? And what kind of BHAGs would you set if you knew they wouldn't fail? I mean, what would you accomplish and what would you try to do if you knew that, that something couldn't fail? Some of you may be going, what is a BHAG? Well, a BHAG is a big, hairy, audacious goal. Big, hairy, and audacious. The kind that just, when you stare it in the face, it just makes you shake. It's like David standing in front of Goliath with just a couple stones and a sling. What kind of BHAGs would you set for your own personal life if you knew that they wouldn't fail? And so our team took us at our word and they dreamed big. And some of it was hairy and some of it was audacious and some of it was inspiring. And I'll tell you what, it challenged me when I read what they were dreaming. And so we pulled it all together and we prayed about this very moment that we're having together as a church. And we said, Lord, what are you calling us to do next? What what is it that you're asking us to accomplish as we move forward? And with that said, I want to show you this video. Every movement that has changed the world starts with the question, what if? What if we could reach new heights? What if we could change the way we live and move? What if every person was treated equally? What if we could see the world in a way we've never seen it before? What if we could tear down walls and change the lives of millions? Or speak to the heart of one? What if we created something that would revolutionize how people experience the world or connect with each other in new and powerful ways? Every movement starts with the question, what if? 
And it was a what-if question that led me and a few friends to start Westridge Church in 1997. So here's the reality of where we are right now. God has done incredible things in and through Westridge Church over the last 16 years. Right now, the vision and reach is at an all-time high. However, over the last five years at Westridge, the ministry budgets, vision, and our growing infrastructure have had to be scaled back or delayed to stay within a healthy operating budget. Good things are still happening, but we as a church know that there is so much more that we can do to reach our community, our country, and our world with the love of Jesus Christ. So it's with a holy discontent that we started asking and praying what-if questions. What if we created a movement of generosity that shocked the world and put God on display? It all starts with an experiment. It starts with you. We're asking you to play a part in this experiment with us by making a 24-month giving commitment to be part of a movement of generosity that could shock the world. And it starts with us asking as a church and you asking the question, what if? What if we could expand our reach to families through more innovative programming for kids and students? What if we transform communities and countries across the world by building schools for people we've given clean water to in Burkina Faso and Guatemala? What if we could expand the care for the hurting in our community with more funds to bless those in need? What if we could change the trajectory of our country by planting new churches in spiritually dark communities? What if we could enhance our gathering spaces across our campus to help people experience Christ and community with each other? What if we could expand our capacity by increasing our staff and infrastructure? What if we raise up the next generation of leaders by providing internship and leadership development opportunities? Through the What If experiment over the next 24 months, we are going to see how we can shock the world with our generosity. We have goals of expanding the budget by 30% that would allow us together as a church to accomplish huge things. We're dreaming so big, only God can fulfill it. And to be honest, we don't know what will happen. It's an experiment and you play a crucial part. But what if we created a movement of generosity that shocked the world and put God on display? What if? So let me tell you what this will look like. We want to expand our impact. We want to be able to upgrade the gathering spaces here on our campus so that we can continue to train not only you, but church planters and our missionaries to make a greater impact in this world. We want to be able to expand our internship program so we can change young leaders who are growing up in this church to be able to impact the next generation for Jesus Christ. We want to be able to go to to the next level with our vision to impact the lives of unchurched men in our community. Statistics say if you reach a man, you have a better than 90% chance of reaching the whole family. We want to be able to be more aggressive in our attempts to pay off the debt of this building. If we could pay this building off, I mean, there's no telling what God could do through this church. We want to also expand our reach. We want to be able to invest in our kids and our students, not only with their camps, but on the things that we do here on Sunday mornings. We want to be able to continue to reach an entire community for Jesus Christ in places like Guatemala. We want to continue to plant life-giving, gospel-centered churches all over Atlanta, all over Georgia, the U.S., and the world. 
We want to be able to have a church planting residency program right here at Westridge where, where church planting couples are able to come and, and bump and rub shoulders with you and work alongside of you for a year and learn how to do ministry and take what we're doing here and to take it pla- to, into places all over our country. We want to begin to invest in, our, in, in the city of Baltimore even more so to, see, to let the people that are in that very unreached part of this world through the ministry of Gallery Church and, and our church planners, Ellis and Ginger Prince, to be able to let them see the gospel in ways that they've never heard it. We want to expand our care. We want to be able to reach, uh, to, able to increase our ability to help the needy in our community through our benevolence ministry. I mean, there's not a day that goes by that when this building's open, when we don't have people walking through the door to receive help. We want to be able to appreciate and care for our volunteers that serve here at Westridge and, and to increase the support that we give to the community partnerships that we have around this area. We want to be able to care for our church planners and, and the many, many missionaries that we now have, not only around the U.S., but all over the world. And beyond that, what if we could start making plans to build a student center, a place for our, our middle school and high school students, a place where they could call their own I mean, there's a reason why that, that parking lot's unpaved because I believe that one day you're going to look out there and you're going to see a student center connected with a big patio area where, where we can fellowship together. What, and then what if, we, what if we, I still believe God wants us to either build or invest in a community center in our area on this property or somewhere off this property where, where we're able to house all of our ministries for the needy or those that are struggling in, in our community, those ministries that reach out to those people. And listen, we believe this is going to happen. We're, we're taking God at his word, and we want all of this to happen for God's glory. We want to make sure that when it's all said and done, he's the one that gets all of the glory, all the praise, all the honor, and all the credit. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, it says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, give, do it all for the glory of God. And so with that, what we feel God is leading and what we've been feeling for this past summer and many months is to launch a two-year-long what-if experiment. Now, some of you may be going, what, what, okay, help me understand what is a what-if experiment. Well, first of all, it begins with a question. What if we created a movement of generosity that would shock the world and put God on display? It's also an experiment. An experiment is a scientific procedure undertaken to make a discovery, a test, to test a hypothesis or, a hypothesis or to demonstrate a known fact. You see, when, it, when we look at God we see that God puts a question out to us. When it, comes into, when it comes to investing generously into my kingdom, test me, experiment. Matter of fact, you'll see in other parts of Scripture where God says, don't put the Lord your God to, to a test. Don't test me. And yet in one place in Scripture, the Lord says, test me. And it's in the area of giving generously. It's in, it's in the financial world. What if we could start living and giving generously and we could say, and God could say, watch now what I'm able to do for my glory because you've engaged with me financially and you've engaged with me generously. It's also a test of faith. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And thereby put me, here it says, put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there's no more need. It's based on a promise. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 says, Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. 
For God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will, will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scripture says, they share, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. This is what God's saying through the Apostle Paul. When you give generously to my kingdom, I'll take care of your kingdom. And not only will I take care of your kingdom, but I will give you more so that you can invest more into it, into my kingdom. And he he just challenges us. He says, keep sowing, keep investing generously, and I will continue to allow you to reap generously. And so here's what we're doing this morning. We're inviting you to come alongside of us and to make history. We're asking God to answer our prayers during this season in a way that ignites our faith like never before. We're asking God to answer our prayers so that we, we can tell our children and grandchildren what God did so that it will ignite their faith as well. We're asking God to write new stories here at Westridge Church. We're asking God to allow us to see more life change. We want our kids who are over there in that building over there to be able to see firsthand, to be able to witness God's mighty work. Instead of living off the stories of what was, we want them to be able to to, to come up to see what God is doing and and to be inspired to ask what if questions as they grow older. And throughout this next six weeks, we're going to be laying the groundwork for this experiment. Now, I want to tell you, we're not going to be talking about money for the next six weeks. And I know some of you are scared to death that that's what's going to happen. But I will tell you, it's going to be a little piece of it. Because on November 17th, the experiment is going to begin with a huge generosity Sunday. And we are praying that this will be the largest commitment and the largest cash offering that we've ever taken in the 16-year history of this church. We're going to be challenging you to make a generous financial commitment to the Lord over the next 24 months. We're doing something we've never done in this church, and here's how it's going to work. We're going to ask you to tell us what you're going to give to this church over the next 16, over the next 24 months in order for us to be able to shock the world with our generosity and to put God on display. When you leave here today, we're going to give you a card. We don't want you to do anything with it. We just want you to pray about it. And we're going to challenge you to think in a totally different way about how you give. I want to challenge you this morning to start thinking about percentage giving, where you give a percentage of your monthly income to the Lord, not just an amount. Some of you need to jump in right now, and you've never done that before. So here's my challenge. Jump in and start with 1% and then build from there. Some of you are at 5%. We're asking you to go to 6%. Some of you are at 10 because that's what, you know, you believe that God wants you to tithe. But what if you could become generous and go to 11 and then go to 12? Now, some of you already have, you have a regular monthly amount that you already give. Here's what you do. You simply multiply that by 24 and you write it on the card and you turn it in on the 17th. But in order for your generosity to grow in your heart during this 24-month period, You're going to have to trust God like you've never done before. And I'm challenging you this morning to increase the amount you already give. Some of you, I mean, to be realistic and honest, just being as honest as I can, some of you don't give at all. This is your chance to get all in, to become all in in this area of your life. There's a majority of the people here that come to Westridge Church who who give less than $500 annually. I know for some of you that $500 is a huge sacrifice 
But for some of you, it's just a tip. For some of you, that $500 is, is, is a statement that, that says, God, I don't really trust you. Lord, I, I'm just doing something when, in the midst of a service because I want to get rid of the guilt or I want it just to make me feel good. I'm asking you to move beyond those feelings, to get to the place of cheerfulness, of joy, of, of understanding what, what God wants to do in your life when it comes to the area of generosity. And so here's our goal. Over the next two years, we want, you to, incre- we want to increase our budget of $9 million over two years, which is $4.5 to $12 million, $6 million yearly. I mean, honestly, we're, we are just barely getting by. I've already told you the reality of what we're currently dealing with. But we want to dream bigger. And we believe with all of our heart that God wants us to, imp- to expand our impact, to expand our reach, and to expand our care. I mean, if 2,000 individual families in this church just gave $100 more a month over the next 24 months, we would set our goal for this experiment. Some of you honestly have the ability to surpass that amount. You can increase the amount you give per week. For some of you, that amount is going to, whatever God puts on your heart, is going to stretch your faith in ways that you've never experienced before. But I want to tell you something. We need to have our faith stretched. Every single one of us, including me. And we want you to spend the next several weeks taking this card before the Lord as a family and asking God, what would you have us to invest? And banking on 2 Corinthians 9, 7, which says each one, listen, much give as he decides in his heart, not reluctantly, not in fear, and not under compulsion. Because God loves a cheerful giver. In other words, each person, each family needs to decide what they can do, not reluctantly and not under certainly any kind of guilt trip, but simply by faith. And God says, give it cheerfully. God loves a giver who loves to give. And when we give that way, it's like a party. We can, be, we can have joy in that. So as church leaders, here's what we're going to do for you. We commit to keep you regularly updated on how the experiment is going, not only online, but in these services. And honestly, as I said on the screen, we don't know how it's going to work out. We don't know how it's going to turn out. But we commit to telling you at least once a month for the next 24 months about the work that God is doing in and through you through this what if, what if experiment. And on November 17th, we're going to catapult this experiment forward with a big give. Some of you may choose to give the vast majority of your 24-month gift right there on that one Sunday. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to start asking the question once again, what if? What if God uses our collective effort to truly shock the world with our generosity? I'm asking you this morning as a church to jump in with us. I mean, it's time to put our commitment to be all in to the test. I don't want you to miss out on growing in generosity. I want to tell you something. If there's one area of my life that God has challenged me in and expanded me in and stretched me more with over the last 16 years as I've been here, it's in the area of generosity. And it's been one of the most fruitful, enjoyable journeys that I have ever been on. And it's been uncomfortable. But I will tell you what, I wouldn't miss, I wouldn't want to go back and miss one moment of when God said, be generous here, be generous here. You don't have it, but I'm asking you to give it. So don't miss out on this experiment. Don't miss out on what God wants to do in and through you and through this church with this what it experiment. I want you to bow your heads for a moment. Father, as I look across this crowd this morning, there are people that were here with us during the early days. Some who were even with us on the very first Sunday. 
when we watched you do something that quite honestly was bigger than what we'd ever dreamed. And we still talk about that. There are people, Lord, who joined us when we were at East Paulding High School and remember the days when we were parking cars up and down Highway 92 because we ran out of parking. And Lord, we just ran out of space. We, had people, we were putting people up in the bleachers. Lord, I remember the day, and many of us remember the day where we took our time to build offering and we watched you do something amazing. And I remember driving a stake along with several other people in this crowd into this property and claiming it for God. I still have that stake in my basement. I remember the day when we took a shovel and we turned dirt and we broke ground on this property and we dedicated it to you. Lord, I remember the day when we built this building and we stood on this stage and we cut a ribbon and we dedicated this building. And Father, there's so many people that I'm even looking at right now who they have a name of an unsaved loved one written underneath this carpet or this tile. I remember the day when Dave and Paul and Steve and Matt and me, we stood right where I'm standing at this moment and we took a box with the history of Westridge Church and my dad's Bible and we buried it under my feet to say that we will always stand on God's word and his promises. Father, I just look back. There's so many who have been part of what's happened here over the last few years. People who are working in downtown Atlanta with Damien and Zaret. People who have been to Africa. Lord, I've stood there with people I've never met before who... don't even speak the language I speak and have never even had electricity but have watched water shoot out of the ground and for the first time in their lives have had been able to give their children a glass of fresh clean water I stood next Lord to a little man who could outwork me all day long in Guatemala who sells bundles of wood just to make money to be able to put food on his family's table. And Lord, not only did we promise to bring clean water, but Lord, now we've been able to see it happen in his home and in every house in the village. Lord, I've watched every church get planted out of this church. We've stood here and we've commissioned hundreds of people to leave this church and to go out because you called us to have greater impact all over Northwest Atlanta and all over the world. But Lord, I believe today you're calling us to dream even bigger. You're asking us to ask the what if questions once again. And Father, I believe with all of my heart that we truly are going to see things that we've ever, greater than we've ever seen before. Lord, I'm asking for that. I'm asking that you will, Lord, allow us to shock the world because of the generosity of the people in this church. And I know it's scary. Lord, it scares me. I have no idea what's going to happen here. once again, Lord, I'm asking that we can trust you by faith. Lord, I know there's folks out here scared to death because this has been a tough economy. And the future in many ways doesn't look bright if you think from a human standpoint. But we don't live from a human standpoint. We're not even called to be part of this world. As followers of Jesus, we're just visitors who have been sent here to reach a whole world 
for Jesus Christ, to expand your kingdom. And so, Father, today my prayer is that you will move us beyond our fears and our doubts, our apprehensions, that you'll move us beyond, Lord, things that we say can't be done, and that we will begin to dream once again that the impossible can happen because there's a God that still exists who is still into doing the impossible through just normal people like us. And so, Father, my prayer as we kick this thing off is that you will let us once again and more than we've ever seen to dream and to wholeheartedly say yes to you, Lord, and to say, yes, it is worth it. It is worth it for me to invest generously into seeing lost people, into seeing hurting people, into seeing the needy come to Christ. It's worth it, Lord, to me to see my kids discipled, for our students to be reached, to make an impact in our middle schools and high schools. Yes, Lord, it's worth it for me to plant and to invest in a city like Baltimore, which, Lord, quite honestly, I don't care about on a, on a given day. But, Lord, you've called us to do this for your glory and for your renown. Thank you, Lord, for letting this church dream. And we pray that we will see greater things than we could have ever imagined in our future come to fruition. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.